Welcome back everyone. Thank you for joining us on Building Greatness the Warrior Way, a Westcliff University Athletics Podcast. I am your host, Chase Dodge. I am the Sports Information Director here at Westcliff University, and I'm here to take you through the week that was and the week that will be in Westcliff Athletics. Let's not waste a moment and let's get into it. All right, Warriors, thank you for tuning in to a very special podcast today. Um, I am joined with our head men's volleyball coach, Alex Griffiths. Uh, Alex, you were on the podcast before. Um, welcome back. Glad to have you. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Um, so you guys probably noticed the, the headline. Um, we're going to be talking about Title IX, uh, women in college, athletics, both uh, even going as far as into high school. We're going to be uh, talking about the importance of Title IX, the impact it's had on um, collegiate athletics um, and so forth. Um, first, look, we want to mark that um, the 50th anniversary of Title IX was on, uh, excuse me, June 23rd, um, so a month ago. Um, but it's always important to talk about um, talk about this kind of monumental kind of uh, civil rights case that happened all the way back in 1972, um, which I'm going to be honest was the year that my parents were born. So it's been around for a while. Um, uh, you know what? And we're just going to, we're just going to be honest. I, I, I didn't know much about title nine until I did the research until I, I think it took kind of threw into kind of the public sphere. When I went to college, I had no idea growing up what it meant, what it uh, entailed. Alex, do you share that same kind of mentality? I had no idea what it was until I went to college. I was a little different, obviously, I believe, because I'm female. So I was kind of, you know, it was it was pushed to importance that I was aware of it a little bit earlier on, but definitely not until high school. Okay, and and you know what? And then I I was actually blown away on what athletics, what the athletic landscape looked like pre Title IX being solidified in a lot. And let me let me just quickly for those of you that aren't aware of what title nine is um uh, basically it's a civil rights law that no person in the united states shall on the basis of sex be excluded for participation in be denied the benefits of or be subjected to discrimination under any educational program or activity uh receiving federal uh financial assistance um so we're part of west cliff athletics so of course, of course, we're going to be talking about athletic activity for women's sports, but this also includes all kinds of um, collegiate degrees, um, all those kind of avenues that you're not allowed to be discriminated against based on your sex. And and you know what? It going through the research, I'm, I'm just gonna we're gonna be talking more about athletics, but I want to talk to you, Axel. Like, did you know that in 1971? There were less than 30,000 women athletes in the U.S. competing. Um, I had no idea that it was that low. Um, I had an idea that low. I had an idea that it'd be that low, but I didn't know it was 
to the exact number, but I definitely believe it. I think that's why it became such a big point where women had to stand up and fight for our rights with Title IX, just due to the fact that that was a huge issue and um, across the nation. So I'm, I, I am aware of this whole issue and I'm very happy with the progress it's made. Um, and, you know, and I'm just going to, cause I'm, I'm considered a young adult. I'm only 26. So this is like title nine was already over 25 years old when I was born. Um, and so I didn't see the growth of it, but I have definitely felt the, the effects of it. If, even if I wasn't aware of it or not, um, I have three younger sisters, um, who all of them compete in athletics. I have, uh, one sister that competed at the collegiate level for women's soccer, and I have one currently competing in women's volleyball. Um, and I'm going to be honest, if there was no Title IX, looking at that number in 1970 of less than 30,000, I don't know if they were would be able to play a college sport now if this law never came to pass. And also get a degree because you know the purpose of going to college is getting that education and getting a degree afterwards so this this monumental law has definitely excelled for for women both my generation right now and previous generations and even future generations um alex what i agree i i've definitely seen um the avenue that it has built for us just kind of even over the last years of me playing, I mean, we we were indoor primarily, and that was limited schools. And back then, we were only supplied a certain amount of roster spots and, um, you know, fewer scholarships. And it was a lot smaller on the opportunities of colleges that were available for women to play. And now, I mean, there's over 200 Division One schools for women alone. So, and you're not counting D2, NAI, Division Three, and junior college, which is amazing. And then not only that, it opened up a whole new avenue with the beach volleyball game. So now women, we have an opportunity just to, you know, if we're focusing only on volleyball right now, we have opportunity to play indoor and then compete collegiately. And that's not saying for the other sports, soccer, softball, um, those are the bigger ones and basketball. So definitely um, it's, it's been amazing. It's been great to see women's sports build. I still think there's a lot of work that needs to be done, like I mentioned with pay and professional leagues and going forward into that. But um, for the college aspect, we've done a pretty amazing job in the NCAA for getting the women on board and being able to have that opportunity. Now, you, you just mentioned about the growth in professional sports as well. What So because of this impact, now that um, women have a better um, avenue to compete in the sport that they enjoy growing up from middle school, even into high school, and then getting an opportunity to compete at college, what's the next step of getting them into the professional scene? Um, Cause I know that, I mean, it, I mean, the WNBA started um, in the nineties. Um, I believe it's the first like female sport professional, except for like uh, for a team aspect. Cause I know you had uh, women's tennis compete uh, in the world stage, but I believe women's basketball might be the yeah. first professional league, at least in the United States. That's right. Um, and tennis is a great sport for women in the U.S. Um, for volleyball, it's a little different avenue. And it's still we still struggle as a sport, unfortunately, for men and women. We have to go overseas to play professional ball. Um, they're trying to create stuff in the States. Like back in the day, they used to have USPV, which is a 
uh, United States Professional Volleyball League. Um, now they have AAU Pro. Um, so they are trying to create something in the States, but it's nothing like the other sports. So for me, volleyball still very uh, undermined here in the States besides AVP. But if you look at AVP, if you're not the top three, you're not getting paid. Like you're going to have to find another job, which if you look at different revenues or avenues of athletes and sports, um, you can make a lot more money doing a different sport than men's or women's volleyball. So, um, but kind of going back and focusing on the women's aspect, it is a little bit difficult. We don't really have a lot of monumental sports here that are paying out largely compared to male. You know, you got men's baseball um, and football. So it, it is tough to compete with those types of revenues that are coming in, but we, we got to, I think, promote it better. We got to make it on mainstream TVs and have girls be able to see girls, you know, women on TV playing uh, professional sport. Instead, we have to stream it online or have some sort of account, you know, so we can make it more available to all women. I think that would definitely help us elevate that. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think one of the biggest things kind of that will help is kind of just being broadcast to the, I mean, on media, basically being able to watch it on TV is a huge plus. I mean, I think that's the only, like, besides it being in your city, I, I'm mostly watching sports on a TV screen. And, you know, I, and I know at the college level, they do a great job of, of highlighting both the women's sports, especially at the NCAA level. Like my family's a huge fan of watching um, the softball like world series. Like it's a huge deal in my family. We enjoy just purely based on the competitiveness of both teams. I mean, we were blown away this past season with how dominant uh, Oklahoma was. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, they had some ballers on the team. I just, it was unreal compared to previous seasons. Um, but, you know, this is also a perfect kind of segue into, um, I mean, we, I know we're talking about uh, women in college athletics, but also let's take a little side avenue into uh, coaching. Cause I know a huge, I mean, coaches obviously are past athletes. They played the sport for many, many years. So, um, being able to coach the sport that they enjoy and they love how what's the next step for for coaching for for women head coaches especially for you being in control of a men's program which I'm going to be honest is traditionally uh rare if you agree with that I definitely agree uh it's not just rare in the men's side it's also rare in the women's side as well which is interesting to see that um you know, there is a lot of male dominance in any coaching staff going forward. That is a huge aspect. I think why I also wanted to participate not with, uh, with Westcliff was giving me the opportunity was I'm a female representing in a male dominant job opportunity or career. Um, I would do, I do say it is a little bit more difficult. I'm little, I'm blonde, you know, I look a little bit younger, but I definitely know what I'm talking about and I want to represent for all the women out there and make sure that everyone knows that if this is something that they know that this is their life passion, like it is mine, it's capable to do that. Um, I've been very blessed with a great group of guys that respect me and my knowledge and listen and, um, you know, help apply what we've been working on. And that's not just the, the team, that's the staff, you know, uh, the coaching staff, 
um, and the admin at Westcliff University. So I'm very blessed and grateful for this spot and this opportunity. And I value this as a stepping stone for women. Um, you're right, you know, seeing that there's a very few women is a little bit discouraging, I think, going into it where people might get intimidated. But at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. I've been playing this since I was 12 years old. I I have coached for many years, boys and girls. So for me, the transition wasn't too crazy. Um, I know the game, so I'm pretty confident in what I can produce. And I just want every female to feel that, feel that way as well. Now we're going to go into, we're going to, I'm going to ask for your opinion on what, what is, so when people are hiring for a head coaching position, how, like what's, what, what should athletic directors or even athletic staff be looking for, for a women's head coach? I mean, it, it's weird just cause I know, cause I mean, Sean basically, I mean, he, he basically hires purely on who you are as a person, what you can bring to the table. I mean, he, he, we're, he says that we're uh, first round draft picks. So that means when he hires, he knows that you're going to produce at the highest ability. Um, how, looking for other avenues, what, I mean, how do we change this? Because I know it's just, I guess it's about, um, I, I, I guess it's just um, awareness. Um, uh, help me out here. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I'm kind of. No, I, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think it's, I, I understand that everyone tries, you know, we all try to say there's equality in, in hiring jobs, but I definitely think there's a look that people do go for and feel like they will have a presence that can, you know, bring people in um, and them feeling welcome where recruits will want to play for that, that coach. Um, so I definitely see that aspect of it, but I think the biggest thing when people are looking at, you know, coaches to hire, it needs to be the resume and the environment they were built in. You know, if you have great, uh, I would say, mentors and coaches you've been with, um, which I've been very blessed. I have Matt Frubringer, who's part of the men's national team. Um, Gus Tuaniga, the Tuanigas, they're part of the USA men's national team and Pro Beach. Um, if you look into that environment where people are coming out of, then obviously, you know, they're going to be producing and networking the students that you're looking for. So. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing that was the game changer was not just my resume, but where I came from, what I'm, what I'm representing from my roots and who, who mentored me into this whole, this whole stepping stone. Absolutely. And, and you know what, we're, I mean, for, for, we're, I mean, the purpose of this podcast is title nine and kind of celebrating women's excellence in college sports. I've known this for years and I don't think people are aware of this but most of the successful sports programs at uh especially at Westcliff but also in other ones that I've been a part of are women sports so women's soccer softball women's volleyball I mean I'm I'm and I've I mentioned this before in previous podcasts I'm a huge fan of of sports that kind of don't get a lot of a lot of highlights like doesn't get a lot of the showcase like football basketball baseball like those kind of sports so i'm always a huge fan of like tennis uh, men's volleyball all those kinds of sports being highlighted because those those have some athletes in them that can compete at the highest level um and that goes without saying that it's definitely the case for um our women athletes especially here at westcliff university i believe 
I mean, I this this is just like rust estimate, but I believe let's see, like over I I, I think we had 16 sports compete postseason. I want to say 10 of them, and, and that might be a low number if I'm going to be honest. With our, our women's sports made their postseason, and our first conference tournament title winner was our women's beach team. So we were just talking about women's beach as well. Our first champion here at Westcliff was women's beach volleyball. And I wouldn't be surprised if the first conference tournament, first national title for other universities are from their women's sports. I agree with that. I think too, just kind of the shaping of title nine and what it's created and how many teams and schools are now offering sports for women. Um, We definitely have grown as a total when it comes to, you know, high school ball. Um, After that, they're playing travel club volleyball or club sports. And it's really kind of elevated the game for women in general, where, you know, there is an investment here. Coaches are investing in their players. The families are investing their players. And these players have a lot of knowledge since they're, you know, like me growing up playing since we were 12. So it's, um, you know, I hope that volleyball does grow a little bit more. I think if volleyball was seen a little bit more on TV, it would grow as a sport. It's very um, attractive to the eye. I feel like it's entertaining enough. So uh, we just need to make sure that we give that opportunity for younger generations to be able to watch and not only watch, but we need to keep our professional athletes in the States. You know, everyone knows who LeBron James is, but we can't list, you know, five players on our USA women's national team. That's a little crazy. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest. I can't, I can't name them at all. Yeah. Um, And and you're, you know, it's very common. So for me, I think the goal is how we grow the game and women's sports is we really push the professional level here that you don't have to leave to play professional ball in any sport. Um, You know, and obviously I would love you, you would love to travel international. I'm not excluding that, but we should have some sort of league here where young girls can go and watch, you know, someone they hope to be when they grow up besides just college volleyball, which again, I do think they do an amazing job with title nine. But after that, it's like, we all need to grow up and find a job because you're not playing pro ball and it's very limited and the pay is terrible and you have to go overseas. And um, if you're not top three in AVP, it's a side hustle. It's for fun. It's a hobby. So it's definitely a different perspective um, than, than men in general. And uh, it, it needs to be changed. We, we still have a lot of work to do. We, we did great at the college level. Now it's the next yeah. step. Yeah. We, I mean, title nine set the tone for high school and college. Now the next step would be uh, that the professional level here in the United States with not even just volleyball with, with softball. I mean, I'm still shocked that, I mean, if there is a pro softball league, I've never heard of it. And, and I'm kind of, disappointed in that because i'm a huge softball fan um especially with i mean like i mentioned before watching the world series i mean i can't tell you how big it is in my family we constantly sit at the table watching um because i'm gonna be i mean it's a lot more entertaining than than base than baseball for the, for the baseball world series I, I don't know how um and and you mentioned before like most people don't know the sport of volleyball and me being part of this on the sideline watching at the collegiate level for the past, what is it? Seven years. I could, I mean, for those of you listening in, it is very high paced, a lot of action. Like you'll never, you'll never take your eyes off the screen. Cause you're so 
tied into the game, mostly because each team are going point for point, going back and forth. Um, you don't know who's going to win. It's like it goes down to the last final points of the, of the match. Like, I, I don't know where people have been and not not even just following volleyball, but um, also following women's sports in general. Um, but yeah, I, I will say before we before we take off, I just want to say that like Title IX, even though I didn't know much about it prior to our conversation and just a little bit of history, I have definitely felt the imp- the impact it had personally in my family, and even even me as a uh, even me as like just going to college and learning about it, and also a little fun knowledge. I mean, we were talking about uh, women's head coaching. What's the next step? I mean, it, it has been even branching into the men's professional leagues because I know. Um, Especially, I know I, I, I'm and I'm blanking on her name, and I apologize. But uh, for women's basketball, um, the assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs um, had an opportunity to coach a um, professional game when when Pop was unavailable. So she took the reins of that and coached a professional men's team in the NBA. And then just recently, the Raiders hired a new team president. Um, uh, African American woman um, as a direct result from Title IX. Um, so, it, that, as we mentioned before, the next step is that professional scene, and we can kind of already seeing the impact from 50 years ago. Now, trying to women in athletics, kind of in the professional scene, being t- given a chance to be able to basically showcase what we uh, what we've always known is that they enjoy the sport and they love it. I agree. And I think, I think when it comes down to these professional level jobs, um, not just the athlete, but the careers that you just mentioned of funneling into directors and coaches and professional refs and things like that, it should be based off of the knowledge, not, not the gender. And I feel like we're slowly coming forward with that. There are some big names, um, but the, the fact that, you know, we, we struggle to list a few like, oh yeah, that, that woman, she just became the first one. And it, it's, it's not enough and it still needs to, you know, um, project forward and keep pushing ourselves and, you know, women to stand up and say, we can do this, um, for us to create, keep creating opportunities, not for ourselves, but for our kids, our younger generations. Um, we, we need to be the light that they need to see that saying I can do that. So I agree with you. Um, and then for those of you tuning in, um, uh, Becky Hammett was the uh, assistant coach for the Spurs that we were mentioning before. And then the new um, Raiders team president is Sandra Douglas Morgan. So congratulations uh, for, for you being hired to a phenomenal position that I know will help promote women in athletics. But, um, and also I just want to take a little, uh, a sidebar. I want to talk personally about my family. I mean, we're talking about coaching post post like college. I mean, I have a sister right now who is an English English teacher, but she's also uh, one of the assistant coach for um, for uh, my hometown high school team, uh, Lisa Miguel, and she was she was able to coach um, as an assistant coach, and she definitely knows her stuff, and and I know she'll be given a chance for a head coaching position soon. But it's just kind of the those kind of trickle effects because I, I mean I talk to my sister all the time, 
And if I told her, I'm like, hey, would you thought of yourself as one, a teacher and a, and a coach for the sport that you grew up playing and you, you grew up like loving the sport? And she was like, you know what, Chase, I probably didn't really think about it, but I'm glad that I was able to have this kind of route to be able to do this. And that's all that we can ask for is just given a chance, given the opportunity to, to be able to do something like this. Um, so thank you, Alex. I just want to appreciate you uh, with your knowledge of um, Title IX and your past experience and now the and your uh, vision of what you think women in athletics will look like. So I appreciate you being back on the podcast. Glad to have you as always. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope I represented women well for everybody um, out there. Very blessed for this opportunity, like I said, and this is, you know, hopefully I'm a role model to somebody out there that thinks that, you know, they weren't sure if they can do a college men's program. And is this something that they might want to do in their future or, um, you know, professional, anything that is more male dominant in any career or job. So I'm loving it. I'm very grateful for the opportunity and um, we can do it. We can definitely do it. All right, Warriors, thank you for tuning in for a very special podcast, um, Title IX of Women in College Athletics and College Sports. So I thank you again for tuning in. Um, Stay tuned for more West Coast Athletics content. But until then, have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. As always, a shout-out to our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris, our baseball coach, David Shermet, who made this podcast possible, along with our man behind the scenes, Brandon Peterson, for his production. A huge thank you to our Westcliff family for making the podcast what it is each and every week. We'll be back next week, but until then, please drop by the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, for any ep- other previous episodes that may pique your interest, along with leaving us a review. It really helps us get the word out about Warrior Athletics. Uh, We thank you for your support and keep an eye out for the next episode.